Welcome. I'm Therese Padegian, host and founder of Soulful Practices in Business. In this podcast, we have conversations that are created in the moment about managing business and practice life for soulful, intuitive practitioners. And today with me, I have the most fabulous Wade He's all the way in Atlanta. And I came across Wade in, um, in Barcelona, where he was presenting at the Barcelona College. And I came in quite late and I sneaked in. And I think I caught the last, I don't know, maybe it was 10 minutes. And I still remember you had like this butterfly. I don't know if you had the butterfly, but it felt like you had an image of a butterfly and you ended it. And it was the most profoundest thing. And I'm like, man, this guy's so, and you inspired me so much. And I went, I want to have a conversation with you because I know. And just before we started recording, you said, Therese, whichever way this goes, it may touch one person and serve them for their higher good. So Wade, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your time. It is a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here with you. And I uh, absolutely uh, convey the same sentiment from sticking around. I, I was supposed to leave right after, but I said, I can't leave. I have to stay for Therese and, and listen to all this and, and just watching you with the students mm. and all the chiropractors that, that came to learn. It was uh, just wonderful, your communication style and just down to earthness uh, with the profound uh, practice and knowledge that you have to, to put in place is, is awesome. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, as, as, sorry, just for those listening, I said to Wade, where, you know, where do we start this? And he's like, Trees, I just love it. Let's just see where it goes. So what I feel like sharing, Wade, um, is this idea, I have a new revelation of what it means to be present. Okay. So what it means to be I say 100% present. Um, so I've been going through these meditations and I just did a four-day meditation retreat. And after I do one of these, Wade, um, I'm, I can't tell you how present I am. Like I can have a conversation with someone for an hour and be present. And what's interesting is throughout chiropractic, it's like, wow, if I'm with someone, am I actually being present with them? But there's all this stuff that sometimes goes in my head when I'm actually in my practice of it. And I just thought I wanted to share that with you and kind of see where that leads and, um, and your thoughts on that. I do. The first thing that comes up to me is just reflecting on my life when I feel I have been the most present and for the most sustainable amount of time. And <clears throat> there was, there's something that comes up for me <clears throat> and it was actually after one of the dolphin retreats with Lou Corletto and for about a week and a half after that retreat, I was the most present, present I feel I've ever been in my life. And what did that mean? Because to reflect on it and then how can we convey this and communicate and have almost a gauge on what that means for present time consciousness and, and what that's like. <clears throat> First of all, what my visual is really all I was seeing was patterns of energy. And I'm a more kinesthetic, person and so visual I am also very visual and love the arts but as far as when it comes to energy and serving and working with people uh, this that was a little different so just actually seeing people is like the matrix right just patterns of energy but what I really took from it was that I <clears throat> I had let go or lost the ability to judge and so for me, that was the biggest thing that was different was that non-judging mind, which reflecting on it deeper 
is we, we need that for a certain part of our development as a child and learning to navigate this plane of existence in a body and certainly being in relationships with other and that whole dichotomy and polarization. And these are all natural uh, things that, that we have in our world and learning to navigate them. But then ideally to have that present time consciousness, we are able to uh, let go of that judging mind that is very conditioned in us, even though there's a very natural aspect of it that is useful for us. Uh, but that, that was the biggest piece. No, no judgment. And that allowed them presence for me. That is, I, I loved how you, that, that's it. Like you've just kind of summed it all up for me. I'm like, yeah, I'm so present because there is no judgments. It's like, I'm open and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, it's just literally that open mind. And it's kind of more like if then you have the ability to create because there is no form of judgment of what actually comes in. So you've actually mm. just hit the nail on the head and it feels like, um, for me, it's like, it feels so good. And I'm like, man, did I have to do all that intense work? Did I have to do all that purging just to get a glimpse of go, oh man, like I didn't judge for like a whole hour or like, I know I was totally, totally present. The ways that we can decondition in order to, to be able to quiet that conditioned judging mind. Yeah. And one of the fun things that I share is to practice. And one of the things that allows me that I don't really have to do it much anymore, but for a while I had to do it as a practice. And so here's my invitation to everybody watching is that when you're driving down the street and you come up to a red light, stop sign, anything like that, cars are going to come up to your left or your right, and you're inevitably going to look over. When you look over, your mind is conditioned heavily to just just run a gamut of judgments. And as you turn and look, if you just say, and say it out loud, you can say it in your mind, but say it out loud, I love you. Uh, and then you're at the next one and someone pulls up to your left and just, if you can cut it off at the pass before it hits, and as you turn, just an immediate reflex of, I love you, it quiets the judging mind. It just, it, it has no more purpose anymore. And so that's a very easy, simple practice that I like to, that I utilize for myself and it's very useful. So try it out. I will. I will. There's this, uh, wow. I think I love it. I will try it out. Um, I, so I will try it out. I, I do have, um, I commute via boat and let me tell you, I can be very aggressive on the river because I'm a commuter, so I'm not recreational, right? So if there's jet skis or people that are fishing, I have to send them some love wag because let me tell you, I haven't been. <laughs> I've been like, you're in my way. I have to slow down. <laughs> Man. It'll, it'll help. It'll help. It's um, a really powerful, simple. I like simplicity. Yeah, I love that. I, like I, I really love that. And I, um, I just recently read a book and it said, you have to say like, everything is just thank you. Thank you. It just reminded me of that. And I'm like, man, this is a practice I need to take on. It's like, I love you or thank you. And it, he, he's like, you got to say at least 3000 times. I'm like, man, I did it for the like first, I don't even, I think it was five seconds and I went, my mind took over. So um, that's something really beautiful that I think I, I will need to take on. Yeah. 
many, my head's already judging people... going, can I do it, Wade? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite easy. You, just to remember to do it is the, is the trick. Uh, you reminded me something else when you're talking about what is what shows up for you when you're present as far as creation and just these things is, and, and why was it that I was seeing like people as patterns of energy and, and, and I feel that, but it's not always so visual. And we've all had so many people when we serve them on the table or anywhere else we, where we might be serving them. And they say, oh my goodness, it's so much brighter, right? How many people turn over or anything? And they're just like, whoa, it is so bright in here. And so, well, is it, especially if you're indoors and it's not the sun the, is not changing or anything like that. And so, you know, I tell them, I say, I say, well, <clears throat> no, it isn't right? But because of the state that you're in and more presence, you're actually taking in more information. You're actually able to assimilate the world around you on a deeper level. So it actually is brighter. Mm. Even though the amount of light frequency has not changed whatsoever, it actually is brighter. And that is speaking to your point of, of presence and that your brain and then the nervous system, of course, will actually allow more in to your world. It'll allow more into your brain. So uh, that is absolutely happening when we get into this present state flow, because maybe we should ask ourselves, well, why, why would I want to be or why, why not? And there's lots of reasons, too, but we could touch on a few. I, um, I would love to, and I just want to share this. Um, as you're aware, Sue Brown has been one of my mentors, and I remember receiving my first ever, if you want to say, my like BGI-style adjustment, right, using those concepts, and it literally felt like the veil was lifted off my eyes. And it, yeah. was, I would, like, it just was like someone just took the blurriness off, but I didn't know it was blurry. I didn't know that. It's like I never saw the world ever, like the world's never been the same again, and I'm like, man that's how that's how I would describe it the idea of it's brighter I'm like wow someone just like took off like you know when you get something new and like there's a sticker on it and you peel that sticker off that's right. it's like someone just took the stickers off my eyes and I'm like whoa I'm like there's so much more and I didn't know and then it's just kind of like how thinned was my world like how constrict if I say constricted I kind of I but the thought that was going through my head was oh not everyone thinks the same as me but I didn't know that I didn't know, like, I didn't know that I didn't, I thought that if that makes, if that makes sense, like I just thought everyone was the same. And then whoosh, I'm like, wow. So, um, yeah, that was pretty profound, but um, let, let's, let's, let's dig into it a bit more. You were saying, sorry, it's just skipped my mind. What you, uh, what you said, there was, there was two other points that you said we could go into. Well, no, just, for you know, and, and I'm considering the listeners and viewers of yeah. of this chat, if you will, and and I want to instigate some dialogue. And and I love being the consummate, you know, four year old or fourth grader. Why, why, why? And if we're going to give applicable tools and some strategies to use, right? Well, why would you? Why would it benefit you to use that? Now, certainly, to be able to love more unconditionally and to just really, I don't, I don't really think anybody enjoys a, the uh, out of control judging mind of really 
picking out and going through because really that's going to usually lead to self-comparison and it really doesn't turn out well. It usually ends to self-deprecation, uh, self-unworthiness and, and all this type of stuff. And so I think there's a, a really strong argument for why maybe try that stop sign exercise. And man, as I'm going to go off on a little side here that when I just said the word, you know, worthiness or unworthiness is I've been very annoyed lately <clears throat> that we've, we're at a place and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm deconstructing it currently that we've gotten to a place where it, it's gotten so trendy and popular to have slogans and t-shirts and stickers and sayings and memes, all that, uh, that you are enough and you are worthy. And though I appreciate where people are coming from saying it, I'm like, I'm pissed, Therese, that we've come to a place that we have to remind people that they're like worth something, uh, you know? And so it's like, man, we, we have so far to go. And maybe I could also reflect on the gratitude on how far we've come and, you know, what humanity has done to each other over the years and and in such a fearful and uh, violent way that we, we still have so far to come. And, and I think the fact that it's such a trend to for groups of people to have to tell other people that your life matters is, is just, uh, man, it's it's frustrating. Mm, uh, so, mm. It's, um, I recently finished a book a couple of months ago called Braided Sweetgrass. Um, I think Robin Keller, it's, it's um, ancient wisdom of the Native Americans, uh, of the uh, Native Indians and, um, and how they actually lived with nature. So everything was in the flow of nature. And one of the things they said was when it came to the dinner table, like you would ask for the salt and it's like, you don't say, thank you and the person giving it to you doesn't say you're welcome because you know that you're worthy to be there like you don't have to consistently kind of not apologize but like thank you for like you know kind of say that I'm not worthy enough to ask it so thank you kind of and then it's like no you were worthy to be here so you don't like kind of like these little uh, what do you call them not politeness um those little what is it? The little, I don't know what the word is, but it's like, um, there's a lot of BS that you just cut out because you're worthy. It's like, give me the salt. That's it. Like, may I have the salt? Yeah. No, thank, no, please. That's it. No, please. No, thank you. No welcome. It's just, may I have the salt and the salt is passed. And it's because, yeah, you don't need all these other little kind of formalities because you know that you're actually worth it. And if you want the salt, it's your right to grab, you know, to ask for the salt. Um, and that was something I'm like, man, because in my language, uh, from my culture, everything's like, you know, have your manners. So it's like, please, thank you. Say sorry for everything. I'm like, why am I saying sorry for my existence? Like something happened. Oh, sorry. I remember my music teacher, like I'd play something wrong and I'd be like, sorry. And he was like, stop saying sorry. I'm like, sorry that I said sorry. And it was, but it was so ingrained, like not really knowing that you're actually saying all these things. Right. So yeah, the worth thing has been, um, that's actually really interesting and kind of, I do see those, uh, I do see those signs and I'm like, yeah, I'm enough. And sometimes I'm like, I need to read that. But it's like, it's kind of like the same sentiment. And then I do, I'm like, yeah. And then I think, Wade, sorry, if, if, if when it comes to that 
stuff like in my I have to have a social media page right and it's like well what can I fill it up with I'd rather fill it up with that than fill it up with things that is going to kind of do my head in a, in a worse way <laughs> when that when that veil is lifted mm. and you have however big your glimpse is into the infinite that you are weaving the fabric of then it makes those those types of things very trivial and so then now here's another why here's another worth it moment uh, for us to talk for us to get together and train and have fun and love each other up and and really continue on a path of mastery is is to not only with ourselves continually lift the veil, but help others do that too. And then it makes all those, those sayings a moot point mm -hmm. anymore. I just burned that one in. Which, which would be nice. It'd be very nice. When do, um, my, my head just went here for a moment and it's this idea of, um, I just want to take it back to being present. And I went, because at the moment there's a bit of conversation of practitioners, well, the dialogue I'm having anyway, um, it's like they're very energetically drained. And I'm thinking, why are they energetically drained? And this whole process of me, like the, the being present, the non-judging, and at the same time I'm like, if there's a bit of information that I don't release that I need to release, so, for example, if it's like, oh, I need to call that friend and say hello, or I need to say this to my friend, right? If I haven't done that and that keeps playing on my mind, well, I got this concept of that actually kind of energetically will drain me because I haven't released that bit of information for new information to come in, right? And so what was interesting is it's like I'm talking with these practitioners and I had this revelation going, well, how much are you kind of you holding on to? How much are you, like, how much are you holding on maybe from your client how much are you holding on for yourself that it's like there's no room, like there's there's no space. So no wonder you're actually energetically exhausted. And I know when I was first out in practice, I can't tell you how energetically exhausted I was. Um, but is that something you kind of, would you like to share anything on that? Or does that kind of bring something up for you to go? Absolutely. You know, and, and I look at it when I'm when I'm helping somebody, serving somebody, coaching somebody is is where is their loss of power? Mm. Uh, and I might refer to it as like where are the leaks in the bucket? And yeah, and, and really that's that's my that's my perpetual where is their loss of power? And so certainly that gets into the conversation of being energetically drained. And for years and years, people have always asked me as they observe how I serve and how I do it and how I do this dance. And so many of them, uh, especially the younger ones who are newly engaged on this path of mastery are just kind of gobsmacked on how do you do this? How do you serve in that capacity with such depth, with such intimacy and vulnerability and all this stuff and what is the common question? I know you've got it. If you've got it once, you've had it a thousand times. How do you not take on their shit? So true. And I say, it's easy. Mm. First, I don't believe people are made of shit. So 
that solves the problem right away. And so I don't have a construct in my psyche, in my subconscious, in my, in my mind anywhere that there's something evil or bad that might get on me and infect me. It's just not part of my field of consciousness. And so I think that's a, a beginning construct is that I just don't believe people are made out of junk or crap. God don't make junk. And so if I am addressing that divine essence in them, whoa, all I get to do is be in with more divine essence. And so I, I'm really, it, for me, it's just so simple, Therese. And if you're, expect, if you're attached to the outcome, get prepared for drainage, right? If you're trying to fix people, you will absolutely, you will have physical manifestations of pain and dysfunction in your body if you are not taking action on all those God whispers, God winks, innate flashes, whatever, however you want to, to say them, then yes, because that now that record is trying to play. And like you said, that, that other information for you to be in the present flow with as a conduit, as a vessel. And I, and I don't like to talk too esoteric. I, I like it simple and keep it for everybody to be able to latch on to. Uh, then, then you're, you're setting yourself up. At the end of the day, if you are locking the door, if you do that, and like wiping your brow going, I made it. There are simple, simple things to do. It's not complicated, right? You have to have a ritual. Mm. And that ritual does saging your space and lighting a candle and sitting and staring at your belly button for 30 minutes. It just has to be a routine that helps you be grounded and centered. Mm. And, and that can take an instant. Uh, when you get practiced at it, then it's like, you know, hey, do you meditate? Well, ideally, I'm meditative. Yeah. And it's, it's a constant. I don't, I don't have to stop. I, I don't have to stop talking. I don't have to stop listening. It's a meditative state that, that I am in seeking to so have a ritual mm. know uh know some simple things to raise your energy levels and your vibration right be the be the beacon uh in in the relationship to other people to entrain to right and have no attachment to the outcome mm. and don't try to be clear on what you do who you are how you serve and and the last one is agreement. Just have clear agreements with people. Mm. And for me, it's super simple. And so 96% of the time, I leave my office with more energy than I came in with. Mm. And I think it's not that complicated, personally. Um, I love it. And I, I love when you just bring back the word to the word simple. And um, I, I remember when I was like, what's one thing I can do that when you're talking about the grounding and I think ritual can be anything. And for me, it was, I, so I forget to eat weight. I can just kind of go on with my day and then I'll be like, oh, I haven't eaten anything today. Like one, I went three days without eating once because I, I actually just, I was just so caught up doing life, right? And so then I'm like, now I make sure I have breakfast. Even if I'm not hungry, it's like that's actually my little ritual and that's the thing for me to go, okay, this grounds me, 
you know, it fuels me in a way and it kind of brings me back to where I need to be. But a ritual doesn't have to be, you know, sitting down and going, oh, it's just like, oh, man, I actually need to eat something. And, I'm, and I had it in my, um, I put an alarm on my, on, my, on my phone to go, have you eaten something today by 11 a.m.? And if I hadn't, it was like, yeah, oh, there's my alarm now. Hold on. <laughs> Like a snack, Tariq. It's like itch. Like <laughs> a Scooby snack. Yeah, and then it went to, have you had something nutritious today? Because one day, wait, I have to share this with you. So I put all these in alarms and then um, it, it said, have you had something nutritious today? And I was sitting down, it was 11 a.m. And I was literally sitting down to a bowl of fried ice cream that I had made. I went through a fried ice cream phase and I went... Yep, this is nourishing the soul, I tell you. <laughs> it was Let me put a spirit of fresh mint on there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I would just I want to take it back to um, when you said kind of where have you lost your power? And a couple of years back, I was um, I, I was training some chiropractors, right? And I'd be like, and I, and I was kind of going, why? Are, like they're not doing what their heart wants to do, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be about clinic. Anyway, and it went from, I'm like, okay, go and get your hair done. Okay, you need to book a massage. I'm like, okay, go and, you know, they would just say, what is it that you want? And it's like, go and buy those pairs of shoes that you really, really want. And it was simple things like that because it was just like they thought it had to be so clinic-minded, like, you know, about their practice and I'm not doing enough for practice. I'm like, hell no. We're about the message about empowering our clients. Are we empowering ourselves? So for me, it's been more of a journey of hold on. Like I have really had to take a step back to go, I need to do me so well if I'm telling my clients, you need to do you, right? Um, and so when it comes to, uh, for me, I had to find the gauging clinic, what was the perfect time for me? And so where I am at in my life at the moment, it's like three hours, one day a week serves me. Any more than that, it's like, oh, I'm actually getting drained. And so what I figured was three hours. See, I can give a lot of time. Like I have given a lot of time to work, right? If I say work or like practice. And now what I find is when I do something for a couple of days that fulfills me, I can actually go longer. So now I'm finding this balance of, oh, I need to do this for me so I can sustain this a bit more. But if I do this without kind of doing some stuff for me, then it, you know, I can't do it for a long period of time. So it's been interesting that I have uh, had to navigate my way and go, well, how can I make this all function with just working this amount of time at the moment? And I don't know what, what it will look like in the future, but um, I'm so grateful that I have the time and the space to experiment. And you know what? Not be scared to actually experiment. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, the human design of things. My my wife is very talented at uh, human design, and and she just really lends so much wisdom and insight into the infinite variety of everybody. And I don't know if you know much about it, but generators and projectors and uh, manifestors, manifesting generators. And so here we get into the comparing thing. Yeah, and I'll briefly briefly touch on it. Uh, a friend of mine sent me a video and it was him doing like affirmations out by a stream and doing, you know, almost some SRI-esque type of movements and breath and stuff like this. And, 
and she's sitting beside me, but she's studying. She's a, a Waldorf teacher and she just leans over her shoulder and she's like, that must suck. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's just, you know, she's in her book and she's just like, well, that's not his design. Mm. And what he had was, was Tony Robbins affirmations. Yeah. And, and so he was, he was doing all the stuff and, yeah. and she's like, good luck. Good luck with that. That's his design and that's not your design. So you're going to be one of the millions and millions of people who have latched on to someone or a construct or a methodology that has produced incredible results for some people, mm. but it's just not your design. It mm. will never work for you. And then now we get to be in that land of frustration and then whoosh, self beratement of why can everybody else in the group do it, but not me, I'm not whatever, fill in the blank. And the truth of it is, is the way that you charge your batteries, the way that you get filled up is different than maybe the way that I do and that person and that person. So for each, each person to, uh, you started to say that that laboratory, that scientific experiment of your own body and of your own life and your own practice, your own marriage of, well, and here we go back to that four-year-old construct. Why? Mm. Who says? Really? Is that so? Mm. And so I'm with you. Half the recommendations I give to people are just outlandish. You, you wouldn't think that it was a clinical setting of someone who knew what the heck they were doing of of telling, but it's, it, it really is the, the Miyagi paint the fence, wax the floor. And then later down the line, they get to see, Oh, oh that's what you meant. Yeah. That's why I was doing that while they're doing it. They're like, like, what the heck is wrong with that guy? He doesn't know. And then a month later, time release happens and they're like, I get it now. And there, there comes the thank you card. Right. Mm. But it's like till that kind of that moment where it's like, oh, I get it now. It's like sometimes it feels hard. Like it, you know, there is that, then there's that judgment of why did it take me so long? Or why was I scared so before? And it's like, okay, bring it back in. It's all good. Bring it back in. It's all good. So um, I've been practicing one day a week, about three hours a week. Well, it actually ends up being six hours because it's like, it's just, it's, I can't see everyone in three hours because it's just, it just, it's like, I'm getting busier. That's the other thing, wait. It's like, I'm actually getting busier and I'm like, okay. And it's, it's been, um, sorry, this is my second year now. And now I'm like, Hey, this is really cool. I can still do what I do and I'm doing it my way. And I'm, I, before I was judging myself and now I'm like, nah, it's cool. Like it's, I'm, I'm gone. I'm onto something. I'm onto something, which is me. And that's actually quite exciting. And that gets me excited and it allows me to explore some other things as well. Yeah. Having the filter of, <clears throat> of just understanding different strokes for different folks. But, you know, there was a person who came to the, to the practice and, and, and one of the, the things for me is, is transforming our listening when we're, <clears throat> when we have people that approach us for, for serving. And yeah. I'm really clear I, and, and we have a lot of interns from Life University in the office, and, and he's just kind of like, hey, what's the deal with him? I was like, well, what he is here for is for his, his jaw pain to yeah. go away. And you ask him, 
how have you historically used chiropractic or anybody like this? He says, oh, well, my, my body uh, gets out of whack and I go until it's back feeling great and, and doing great. And then I like, peace out, I'll see you later. And I'm like, okay, got it. <clears throat> and from our questionnaire to our conversation, it was very clear the agreement was that he would like to use us to feel better mm. and to function better. And once that happens, it's very, it's, it's likely, at least in our agreement right now, that he's not looking to get married. He's not looking for a consistent schedule or anything like that. Mm. And so my intern's like, well, what are we going to do? I said, I'm happy to be that for him. Yep. And that's our agreement. So if I knew that that was the agreement he was wanting to make, but I met him with a, no, I'm going to put you on a consistent care plan. Uh, well, now we're out of agreement. That's, that's not our agreement. And so getting to what I'm bringing forth is there are plenty of practices that you know that would say, nope, how we do it here is everybody in the family gets checked or nobody at all. And that's what we do here. And listen, they have wonderful practices, mm. but certainly, come on, don't tell Therese, don't tell me that that's the way to practice. Mm. For you, that is the way to practice. Mm. And for some people, it is high volume or nothing. If you're not seeing high volume, if you're not seeing a hundred people a day, then you're not doing it right. And you need to get it together and all this for you. That's, that's your path. Mm. And uh, for us to at least have the understanding that everybody gets to find their own way and, and, and man, may the journey be our joy and, and mm. discovering what that is. And I, I love that you are trying on new things and finding out that in the balance that you're creating, because you trusted it and you were courageous enough to say, I'm going to do this, even though part of my mind says, I, I can't do that. That's, that's not right. Mm. Now, look, you're freeing up this well energy in the balance to actually serve more without the burnout. Mm. And so now your capacity is changing. And that's just this season. Next season, it's going to be different. Probably, and then you'll have a new chapter of life. Yeah, and say, this, what are you going to invent then? This is what's happening. I, I want to share this with you, which I've kind of just realized. It's I've allowed. So how? So Hercules the cat, right? How he came into my life was bizarre and profound, right? And it was just like, oh man! But that needed to happen to allow something like that to walk in. Otherwise, there would have been no way for that to actually happen for me. And um, there's just so much joy that come that comes for me with with a cat right now, which is which, which is a totally new world for me. Um, now, what I want to talk about um, when you you said the word serving twice, right? It's how we serve, and this is what came up for me because I've recently discovered serving. Now, for my cultural upbringing and where I was, it was like you know, it's kind of like you are not worthy. It's like you know, you I hold you first kind of thing, right? And so whenever it meant, whenever someone would say, how are you serving the person on the table? It meant that, now I'm going to, I'm going to be, if I say I'm going to be careful, I'm going to say it. And then I may just have to kind of clean it up a bit. It's this idea of my head was like, they are more, they are more worthy of me. Like, how can I serve? Like, I don't even, 
you know, it's all for you kind of thing. And it's this mm-hmm. idea of, it's like, no, no, I had to kind of change that around. It's like, it's how may I serve you is how can I be present, not judge? How can me get out of the way so we can create whatever we need to create, right? But what I, when I realized, when I had this realization of, man, I wasn't serving from a nice place. I was serving from a place of, you know, kind of lack of worth, so to speak. And it's interesting because that word service, I kind of didn't get. I also grew up in a, um, in a service, in a food industry. So it was just all about what do they want? What do they want? What do they want? What do they want? Whatever they want, give it. Whatever they want, give it. So when it became on this journey of in my practice, it was, it was, I was operating from what do they want? Just give it. You need to make them happy. What do they want? Just give it. You need to make them happy. And so that I realized was another thing that significantly drained me. Whereas now it was like, hold on, I need to put a boundary up. Like I need to do, I need to put a list of, Hey, these are the, some of the things I'm willing to kind of, you know, play with. These are some of the things I'm not, but what it also meant was I had to really be clear with my adjusting. Like I had to really know what I was doing with my adjusting to get to this other level. If that kind of, like I really had to go on this journey. Um, so is there something you kind of feel like, what did you get from that way? <laughs> Where's your wife? What's your wife's name? Is she listening to this? <laughs> um. Well, if, if we would have asked Eva Rose when she popped in, yeah. hey, where does, where does daddy go uh, during the day? And she'd be like, he goes to surf. Wow. So he's never, ever said, are you going to work today, daddy? Because she, she might yeah. not know what day it is. She, she'd say, you know, uh, daddy, are you going to surf today? And mm. um, a, a construct, uh, I'm not looking for a J-O-B, uh, as, as Arno always told us on the path of mastery when we can get this this I don't even want to say formula but just get the agreements and everything the construct right it's an endless vacation and it's it's really true it's a sacred vocation and endless vacation true so as I bless I am blessed Mm. so I'm so clear on this and like half the time in my open adjusting room you know, their eyes will be closed and, and then I won't be there. They'll open their eyes and they'll catch me like leaning against the wall, like drunk, you know, just to like <sighs> myself because the exchange is happening so fully and powerfully. I'm just getting lit up all day long in the serving. But as you were saying, get out of the way, allow something, something to come to come through and play through. And you know, before you pressed record, you admitted or confessed that this was self-serving uh, to you. And isn't that in a high vibration? Uh, and, and I'm very clear that that's what this is, is there's a high vibration, low vibration, everything. There's a low vibration selfish, mm-hmm. and there's an extreme high vibration selfish. And in that selfish is honoring, serving God. Mm-hmm. And this gift that we've been given and being so selfish that you would construct a life where all day long people just funnel in and come. And then you have a team that brings them to you, to the table, 
to lay the hands on and just love them and hug them and give them wacky homework, right? Of go facial, go get a mani pedi, and and take your wife with you, and uh, you know uh, all this stuff, and it's just it's so damn fun. And the tough part is is for me is the administrative minutia of running a licensed business and insurance this and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and we're all cash practice. I mean, uh, you know, all the other insurances and, and, and whatnot. So um, that's, what, uh, that's what came up for me yeah. during that. Oh, the, one of the most profound distinctions that Arno and Jane Bernier helped me and that I continue to help people is get the distinction between your needs and your values. And so the need for approval or to please, um, oh boy, that, that in, in the way I put it, that is like the cancer of relationships. It is insidious. It will derail every relation. It will ruin every relationship you have if you come from the need to be perfect, the need to be right, the need for control, the need to be separate or unique or special, uh, the need for recognition, the need for love, right? Will just ruin every relationship. So nobody's ever taught us necessarily how to try to identify and understand what needs am I coming from? These needs developed as a ability or need to cope with life as a child. Mm-hmm. And root them out and identify them, then they're going to keep wrecking our relationships because they will trump your core values every single time. So you can have a need for love, but you can certainly also have a core value of love, low vibration, high vibration. So thank you for acting in your high vibration of being selfish to be courageous and uh, do something that's maybe out of your comfort zone of of publishing chats with your friends. Mm. Wow, I just have to brew that one in a bit. That was, um, whew, that is a that distinction between the need to the value, because it really feels like now it's really kind of going. Well, what are your values? Like really exploring what are my values? What are my boundaries? Mm-hmm. Without the need of yeah. kind of whatever you know I accumulated. So that's actually, mm-hmm. um, oh. It's a biggie. It's a big one for me, Wade. It is, and and uh, the the there's only so many needs, um, and it's there. It's it's they're there. If it's approval or control or to be separate, and safety. Safety is one of the big needs that people develop, and uh, a secure life is a dead life, and people can get to that point uh, with a certain amount of support. And whatever that looks like, whether it's uh, Hakomi or somatic experiencing or BGI or whatever myriad of approaches to uh, kind of unraveling and deconditioning to shine the light on what, where those losses of power are, because someone who has the need for safety perpetually, that's a complete loss of power. And they will, they will never really be able to operate and dream their life up and start to build that that value system that that they can commit to operating from. But putting your core values in a top 10 
is really important because then it's a guidepost mm. and every every choice is already made. And so which one does this satisfy? Does it satisfy my third highest or my seventh highest? Well, if I did this, it would satisfy my seventh highest. If I did this, it would satisfy more my third highest. What do I got to do? The choice is made. I'm doing this uh, because I've already gotten clear on what my value system is, what my core values are. And to have the distinction of what needs are running your life in relationships is important because then there's the awareness and there's no ability for change if there's no awareness. Mm. So keep that little list in the pocket. Be like, okay, I'm leaving that at the door and totally, I'm, I'm committed um, to operating for my work. It's a totally different way of looking at values now. Like my head's just going, this is actually a totally different way. Like uh, for me, the need of safety was a big one, right? So growing up in war, like where you literally have bombs, it's like I don't physically feel safe in an environment. And now it's just like, mm -hmm. hold on, you're safe. That need, you got to understand that need is, so what's your value mm -hmm. now? So that's what my head's doing. I'm like, man, this is like a, what you call it? Yeah. Now I have to. Yeah, so, so, what would, so what would your... And, it, and it's very present. This, this won't be hard. So what is your correlating core value that you help provide for people now? So the word that keeps coming up for me is sacredness. Yeah. And in that sacredness, like that's just what I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sensing here is that could be a correlate for safety because in that sacred space, it's inherent yeah. to it. You're honored. Therefore, you're safe. It's not, it's, it's like nothing in this field could possibly be in this container that I have created for you, that for you might be a sacred space, therefore achieving a level of safety, but that's high vibration uh, versus the need for safety, which in that need is a contractive uh, type of <clears throat> mm. a type of perception, action or non-action uh, type of thing. So here's where it's always that guarded, right? And it's got that cage around the heart and we know all the geometry that's going to happen with that. And so that need for safety, well, my goodness, uh, yeah, it's hard to breathe, you know, uh, and Yes, it's hard to have deep, meaningful relationships because you have the perpetual need for safety and nothing, you know what I mean? So uh, what is the correlate? That's why, how we help unravel it. Um, so someone who, and it's so rampant in our culture and society now is uh, the need for perfection, the need to be perfect. Mm. And so once we identify that that need has been running the show and just robbing your power left and right, ruining relationships, making you whoosh, just absolutely beat yourself to a bloody pulp. It's most likely that they have a correlating core value of some type of impeccability or excellence. That is high vibration. So to have a, you know, take a, a, a clinical style person, a chiropractor, therapist, anybody uh, that has a core value of clinical excellence, mm. right? 
But when I'm operating from that, if and when I fall short or realize oh, I could have done that better, there's no wasted time in beating myself up. Uh, it's, it's more of a, okay, cool. It's, it's exciting, you know, that that little thing was shown to me that I can continue to improve upon because that's a core value of progress, improvement, self-mastery, right? Mm -hmm. That might be the core of somebody with a, a nasty, dirty little need for perfection. Well, once they identify that they have a core value of mastery, uh, now we're talking. Mm. Mm. Now I'm absorbing all this in. <laughs> Just sit in there's a there's a low vibration need for loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. it, isn't that isn't that uh, you know interesting? And, and gosh, I find a lot of these people they had uh, one or more parents that were raging infidels. And that they saw one of their loved ones just get completely hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt. So what does that child develop that need for loyalty, yeah. right? That need for honor. And then as they go through their core healing, now these amazing values of loyalty, of honesty and honor can emerge from the other side. And here's where, right? Uh, your your mess becomes your message, and now how powerful that is. That's like your that's like your superpower now, but when it's fueled from what has cultivated on a higher level of loyalty and honor and honesty, uh, not the insidious need for it. Powerful distinction. And uh, the, uh, that. Can you please do one more? Sure. Um, I mean, there's, uh, I can rattle some off. There's recognition, you know, in the category of approval, uh, recognition is huge. Um, and, and that's where we see, you know, a lot of things can go awry in the office when you feel like you've got something to prove or that you're always needing uh, to be heard or mm -hmm. always needing to be different or unique. And it's just, it's so freeing, Teresa. And, and this, this, this is gonna go directly into the perpetual conversation of, of, are you leaving at the end of the day with more energy than you started with, or are you drained? Are you wiped out? And if, you've been coming, I, if you're drained and wiped out, I guarantee you were coming from at least one or more of your needs that day uh, to be recognized. Right, or, or or have that approval. Mine wasn't love, but I needed to be liked. I needed to be liked for so long, and I really cared what people thought about me so deeply. And I know I'm, you know, join the club, right? Mm. But I've able to let that go over time, and now I can just be a silly buffoon, you know, and just be me. And and it's 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 a lot more attractive. I guarantee that uh, to people. <laughs> Their, their BS meter and their, their sniff test, it won't pass. Mm. Since with, with Arno Bernier, and I just can't give the man enough recognition and love uh, because he has, has been such a, a catalyst for my transformation and ability to create a life that I just love so much is so 20 years ago is when, when he really invited me to start doing my vision, my purpose, and my mission. And my mission statement always had within it for me to unconditionally love myself. 
I, I got that that was my mission in life was to unconditionally love myself. And then it became to unconditionally love myself so that I might help others do the same. Mm. And, and so that was my perpetual kind of thing. And, and, and about, I don't know, four or five years ago, because it's always being revised, my mission statement got to change. And that was just to uh, love perpetually and, and serve, right? Just to love and serve. And, uh, oh, sorry, to love unconditionally and serve perpetually. And I, I got to drop the me part out of it, right? And it was just like, when I, it was like this revelation of like, oh my gosh, for 15 years, I've had to work so hard on loving myself unconditionally. And, and really, you know, I, I think the word work is appropriate here. I, I feel like in the new season that we're in and that we've entered into, uh, as spiritual beings and humanity and the geological seasons of Pisces, Aquarius, and all this stuff, uh, I, I don't prefer do the inner work, do the work. Uh, I think that was more in the Pisces kind of era, and that's not necessarily my world, but I think we've entered into a new age and a new season where it doesn't have to be so much work anymore. Mm. It, it can be It can be effortless. And, and I think it's time that we embrace that. And so for me, I've replaced the word work. Now back 15 years, that was work. I had to work to love myself unconditionally. And, and now I couldn't even find a whip if I tried to, right? They're just gone. And so now I'd like to replace it with self-mastery, right? Yeah. Do, do the self-mastery. And, and it, can be, it can be pretty effortless. And, and even people who are new to whatever that means, that, that path of core he healing, inner healing, self-mastery and all this stuff. And yeah, I think getting a, a, a kick-ass coach is a real, good, a real good thing to do. But you know what? I, I will always remember that it doesn't take somebody with a degree. It doesn't take somebody with initials behind their names. It can be the person that is serving you pancakes at the, the diner and anybody can elevate the consciousness and open your heart and lift the veil anytime, anywhere. And uh, it's good for me to remember that. Mm. That is beautiful. Oh, I'm just soaking all this in, Wade. That is, um, soaking all this in, that mission one was very powerful. Ooh, because, yeah. Because you kind of, when you get into those kind of things, you write the mission, the statement of, oh, what's someone else writing or what is it that I want as opposed to, hey, you stop for a moment. It's like your life's mission is you, you know, it's your mastery. And um, uh, I had a chat with um, uh, Lynn McAvaney, uh, I think, uh, her surname, uh, in Barcelona. And she was just like, we were talking about journaling. And she said, how I start my journal. It's like on my deathbed, how do I want to be remembered? Like, what is it that, and that was so huge for me. Cause I'm like, yeah, like nothing else matters. Like, it's like, did I love me? Did I love my family? Like, what were my things that, you know, that I wanted to believe? And it was like, if I made someone happy, that's it. And it was like, am I doing that today? You know, am I being that? Am I being me today? 
And so that's how she approached it. And I was like, man, I've never heard that before. I loved it. I loved it so much. And now I love this mission. It's like, hold on. My life's mission is actually me. Dude, that's really cool. I love it. And then once I've kind of evolved a bit, I'll be like, yeah, what's the life mission now is everyone to be them. <gasps> Wade, that is beautiful. I celebrate your self-servitude. <laughs> I love that. Well, with that, we are going to end. I'm just watching the time now and putting these up. So I want to say, is there anything else before we, we finish? Well, okay, yeah, let's let's leave this with one one thing. What's one thing you would like to leave our listeners with? Uh, I think that that part about not not caring what anybody thinks about you. Mm. Think just being you being you is what the world has always been begging for, always needed. That's that was the design of it anyway. And if we can just be that and and continue to bump up against the constructs that we were given and and be courageous enough to question them and to shift and change and, and follow our heart and our, our gut and our soul. Everybody actually has a different place to question from. Mine's the gut. Uh, some other people are different centers of the body. Uh, so what is that for you? So uh, letting go of the need to, to please others and, and, and what they think. And, and I think in this day and age and time of what's happening around the world, if more people just did what they felt was right inside, the whole thing would be different. If, if, we're, if people are so afraid to be in the crosshairs of, of judgment of mm -hmm. others, then they'll never stand for anything and therefore they'll, they'll fall for everything. And, and, and that's, that's heartbreaking mm -hmm. uh, to see. So stand for you. Don't stand for something, right? Stand for you and your inner truth. And don't give a crap what anybody else thinks about it. Love that stand for you. Wow. Wade Port, thank you so much. That was beautiful. I love you, dear. Love you.